Hello, everybody. It's June. That means my documentary, Psychonautics, a comics exploration of psychedelics, is premiering June 15th at the Dances with Films Film Festival at the TCL Chinese Theater. Guys, I am so excited. It's uh, it's Friday, June 15th at 5 p.m. You don't even need a whole festival pass. Tickets are just $15 if you just want to catch my documentary. But here's why, even if you're not in L.A., even if you don't have a single person in L.A. you can think to spread the word to, here's why you should be excited. Uh, well, one, uh, this will hopefully lead to distribution, so you'll get to see the documentary. Um, so thank you for helping spread the word for that. But uh, that also means that we're doing two Here We Are podcast episodes this week about psychedelic research. So, and, and actually today's episode is the longest Here We Are podcast episode in the history of the show. That's how fun and interesting and, and free flowing the conversation was. You guys are going to love today's episode. And, uh, and so I have some very special new news for you about the June 15th premiere in Los Angeles, I have partnered with an event called the Sci-Fire Festival. It's just a few miles away from the premiere. It starts at 6 p.m. My documentary starts at 5 p.m., so you'll miss just the very beginning, but it actually goes until 2.15 in the morning. It's going to be this amazing um, psychedelic kind of one-day festival with uh, speakers, art, fashion, music, workshops, comedy, fire, pyrotechnics, um, all sorts of amazing visually stimulating performances um, that wink, wink, if you're on something might help, but you don't need to be. And, uh, and so this is just, it just happened to, um, I, I happened to uh, be spreading the word about my documentary and this festival happened to be happening on the same night, and we talked and decided to make it the official after party. And so, uh, you know, no worries if you can't make it to the official after party and you can only make it to my documentary. No skin off my back, but if you do want to have uh, an amazing, psychedelic-inspired evening, um, there's just that much more you can do. And also, the movie stub for psychonautics will which is $15 will get you $15 off of the festival um which is general admission is $50 but with uh so with the $15 off uh, as the psychonautics after party it would be $35 which for this event is quite a, a deal again no worries if that's out of your price range and you can't make it but i'll be hanging out there and it will be it's going to have a bunch of different uh artists i think there's or a, a bunch of different speakers i was going to say uh dr terrence early who works with ketamine who's in the documentary is going to be there talking i'm going to be introducing him um uh, past guest and future guest this week on the show dr cole marta um will will be on doing um, uh, uh, a panel with Zach Leary, uh, Tim Leary's son. And there's also going to be, uh, besides speakers, there's going to be, I'm going to be doing a little comedy. There's going to be music, five different bands there. There's going to be performances by uh, 20 different artists. 
And so this will just be an incredible event. It's now on uh, the Psychonautics, uh, psychonauticsfilm.com page under screenings. You can see more information there. So man, if you're, if you happen to be a, a psychonaut that was like, I was thinking about taking a last minute vacation in June. Um, this would be such a cool, uh, thing to, to get to come to. So I know that's not going to be practical for a lot of you, but a lot of you might have, might know some people in the California area, uh, who, who might be interested. So make sure and check that out as we also talk about the uh, the following week at the Los Angeles Psychedelic Science Symposium, the first ever uh, science conference in Los Angeles, June 22nd and 23rd, which we are talking about today. So enjoy today's episode. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I'm talking with founder of the Los Angeles Medicinal Plant Society, Brad Adams is joining me, also uh, the founder of the Los Angeles Psychedelic Science Symposium. So, uh, hello Brad, thanks for joining me. Thank you, thanks what, for having me. What, a, what an odd, wonderful world psychedelics is because there's all sorts of, uh, you, you start planning psychedelic events and, and uh, getting involved with different organizations and whatnot, and instantly all sorts of odd, synchronistic, or coincidental, or whatever events just start happening. The wonderful serendipity just starts popping up in your life all the time, and I reached out to, I had been to one of uh, one of the LAMPS meetings, the Los Angeles Medicinal Plant Society meetings. My my friend Cole Marta, who's been on the show a couple times before and is going to be on again this week, um, is, uh, brought me and had a, uh, a, a lovely, um, interesting time uh, at the uh, uh, um, at the at the meeting. You just call it a meeting. Yeah, meetings, it's just yeah. like a community and um and so i reached out to you guys or someone put me in touch i forget how i just started spreading the word about the documentary which is coming out on the on the 15th and lo and behold there's a whole los angeles psychedelic science symposium happening the weekend afterwards and i was like hey i don't have any plans i can stick around and be in town for that and so we started talking and uh and we're kind of working together a little bit and i i guess i'm going to be doing uh a little something at we, we don't totally know what yet do we know what i'm doing at we know some uh, of the things you're doing yeah yeah we're, <laughs> we're going to be showing a, a little bit of uh, my documentary and I you're think moderating you're the panel doing, oh yeah moderating a panel and <laughs> yeah. uh, what's the panel that i'm moderating it's called help by the medicine and it's people who have um, gained some sort of relief from some major uh, trauma or disease or something using psychedelic medicines so 
Okay. It's going to be a good um, one. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I yeah. obviously have not started preparing, but <laughs> I will. But all this uh, just came together last minute in just such a wonderful way. And now here I am having having you on the podcast too. And, and yeah. I'm so excited. I, I watched, I looked into some of your work and, and watched uh, uh, a couple of uh, talks and YouTube, and um, this is going to be a terrific conversation. One, I don't think, well, I'm sure that we've mentioned ayahuasca on the podcast before, but we haven't had any ayahuasca research even talked about on the Here We Are podcast before. So this, I don't know how that's happened, but we are correcting that today. So first off, can you, uh, let's start with a little bit of a background about yourself and then how these organizations came into being and and what you uh, do currently. Sure. First off, before I forget, I want to mention that uh, Cole Marta will be at uh, the LAPS conference as well. He's going to be on at the end of the panel. So um, if you like his work, be sure to come for that. He's going to be talking about the newest MDMA research with um, uh, the things he's doing with MAPS. So it's going to be exciting stuff. Cole's great. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, so I founded the uh, the LAMPS group probably almost two and a half years ago. And it was after I did the 920 talk at the Aware Project uh, with um, you know, that Ashley Booth started. And you know Ashley pretty yeah. well. So you've been on her, her uh, at the Aware Project. And uh, same as her, I, we noticed that you know, there, there's not a lot going on in LA, which which is very, very surprising because you know Los Angeles is a major hub of the planet. And you'd think there'd be a lot more going on here, but lo and behold, there's, there wasn't a lot going on. The Aware Project seemed to be one of the only games in town. So I decided to, why not start another group, maybe make it a little more um, science-y, you know, strictly science-y, and uh, talk about research. Uh, my main idea when I started it was to get people interested in doing research. And that kind of faded out. And uh, now it's more uh, getting guest speakers, um, talking about um, different medicines. Sometimes we'll just have a group uh, discussion. People come talk whatever they want. So it's really blossomed into, uh, it t- took a life of its own, which is, is kind of beautiful. And it's, it's grown in numbers slowly. It's um, started it out as a secret Facebook group, if there's any such thing as a secret Facebook group, but it's designated there. So, you know, people, if they're worried about um, their boss or someone surfing in, they, they won't see that they made some comment that, oh, they, they like this research about ayahuasca or they like this or that or another, you know? So kept it that way. I've, I've tried to make it more public. But uh, it got a little backlash, so it's it's kind of fun having it as a secret group. Makes it have a certain air of appeal to it. Well, how do people uh, join your secret Illuminati uh, psychedelic? It's call? it's word of mouth. They have to have a friend bring them in. You know, cause, really? Yeah, yeah. Because you can't just uh, go in by yourself. You have to have someone recommend you, or I'll, and I have to approve you. Um, and the, part of the reason why we started that way was uh, there's certain people in the community that I didn't want in the group. I won't mm-hmm. go into that, but uh, you probably can understand that. Well, it's Ashley's <laughs> hippie crap, isn't it? Trying to <laughs> <No>. get rid <laughs> of Ashley's such a no, wonderful person. So I thought that would be fun <laughs> to give her a gentle ribbing. Uh, uh, but so, uh, so there's, let's touch on that. So people actually do know there's, there's people that are potentially um, a little reckless out there in, in the, uh, yeah. Uh, psychedelic community and and perhaps not um, not going about things in in uh, the most legitimate ways is that 
Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, there's a lot of different ways people are misbehaving in the field, and um, with, the, with the, the people I'm trying to was trying to keep out, um, people I've run into who've caused a lot of problems. Um, Fred, it's Fred. What, it's no, it's not Fred. I'm, I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to keep on saying <laughs> random names. <until> I- <laughs> but um, you know, and I haven't seen this one particular person, but he's caused problems throughout the community. So mm. I definitely, you know, wanted to to keep him out and. Um, and it's not a foolproof system, you know. Of course, get some um, people in there that, that cause problems, but so far, you know, it's so good. You know, we haven't had any any problems. No um, people that I had to kick out of the group. <laughs> I I infiltrated your group. Yeah, uh, yeah, so quite you know, easily. So pretty, you might pretty wanna, pretty loose in our, yeah, uh, your criteria. You might up the security <laughs> around there. You're letting some uh, uh, some ridiculous comedian in. Yeah. Um, so. So what what's your background? My background is in psychology. I started out pre-med, but uh, pretty quickly changed over psychology. Um, my work has been mainly in research, so I haven't really been doing anything um, uh, clinically that way, um, although I, I see in the future that might change. But um, especially with all the things opening with psychedelics, it would be amazing to work with uh, people that way. It's just you know, revolutionized psychiatry and psychology and um but for the most part, it's been uh, research based, and right now, and I, I'm my day job. I'm working in medical research, so it's so that all this stuff is pretty much on the side. It's a, like a side um, interest of mine, mm. and um, which really didn't start blossoming until maybe four or five years ago. It really took off. Mm. But, um, yeah, is it uh, is it something that you think you'd make make the transition into? exploring more i started i started doing a show about psychedelics being like oh here's just like this one-off thing i like doing themed shows and i didn't i was not uh involved in the psychedelic communities or anything like that and then when i started meeting all of these wonderful people and get like ashley and getting in maps and getting involved with all these people i was like oh man this is such a special group of people doing yeah. such amazing yeah. work and uh it's kind of sucked me in more than i ever imagined yeah it's kind of surprising the way it happens that way and same here is when i started it i thought this would be interesting to have just have a discussion group and talk about research and it's uh really taking me by the horns you know now i mean i never would have thought in a million years i'd be you know helping to organize this first ever psychedelic conference in la and it's like it, you you just let go of the rudder sometime, let the river take you. And it takes you to some amazing places. And, and I just love what's happening right now with uh, the way things are happening. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing times. So this is June 22nd, 23rd at uh, the UCLA Ackerman Grand Ballroom. And people can go to lap, uh, it's laps.org, yeah. L-A-P-S-S dot o-r-g right and what can people expect from the conference i was i was just at the uh you know last year we met briefly at the psychedelic science conference in the bay area and uh that was my first was it yeah that was my first like psychedelic conference and it was an absolutely amazing experience i was pretty busy with my documentary at the time and didn't get to go to all the events i would have loved to but uh but what an incredible experience. Yeah. yeah. When I went, I went to the one in 2013 and it was such an amazing eye opener. It's like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm at home. This is my tribe. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, and people are actually talking about psychedelic medicines in public and you know, not looking over their shoulder, not feeling weird about it. And, uh, 
it was just, I, I felt like I definitely found my niche and I wanted to get more into it. And I, I know that's a common factor. I mean, when people go to these things, they just say, oh my God, this is great. You know, and that's what I love about lamps too. People can come and they can talk about these things, which, you know, if you've had a life-changing experience or, or even a traumatic experience or just powerful experience on psychedelics, who can you talk to about that? If, uh, you know, a lot of people can't talk to the family members, you can't talk to your coworkers. And if you don't have friends who've ventured in there, then who do you talk to about that? So it's, it's great to have these, these forums. And so, you know, maps is, is one of the better ones. Cause they had, you know, I mean, how many thousands, 3,500 or so people show up for that. It's just so many people, so many different talks and, and, and you get to meet the big wigs in the field that you've only read about. And, and people are, you know, for the most part, extremely, extremely nice and, and accessible in this community, I've found. It is, the the stigma is only gotten stranger to me as I've gotten more involved and as I've met more like-minded people and as I toured around with what, what I, at first I just put together the show and I was like, well, this is just for me um, to <laughs> get my ideas out there and I'll see if I can do a few shows and, and get enough people out to do a few fun shows and uh and then all sorts of people and from all over the place started showing an interest yeah. and that's what it was is that there's all these people in this psychedelic conference that are just hungry to meet like-minded people and and sometimes i i do forget just how uh how much of a secret People do have, to, even though my son, I just saw my parents like two weeks ago and it was, I had just found out that my documentary was, um, selected for this dances with films festival. And I didn't even, I didn't even tell them, I didn't even want to bring it up and talk about it. They kind of know that I have a documentary about psychedelics. I say as little about it as possible. I've tried having little bits of conversation with them. They've seen my show and they, you know, it's just, it's hard for them to relate. They're just worried that <laughs> their son is involved with drugs and that sort of thing. And, and when I do go to a conference like this, um, uh, and, and I imagine this is going to be kind of modeled after the psychedelic science. Very, very similar to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was just for me being there, I was like, what? What what is it that that we're like having to hide and be ashamed of? There's exactly. like all of these people yeah. uh, having these life changing experiences, like you said. All of these people uh, breaking through. I I was uh, I was just in. Oh, this is one of your uh, one of your sponsors is Michael Meditations. Yeah, uh, I was just in Jamaica. Um, nice. Uh, a month ago uh with eric osborne and uh, a bunch of listeners came out too and some people having their first experience and and there is there's even some guy that was like uh worked for an oil company and was like very straight laced and had heard about psilocybin and like uh the wall street journal or whatever yeah, yeah. it might be and so and and the word is getting out there but to see um to see people that were, and not everyone necessarily had the most life-changing experience, but I think most people certainly did. And there, there's people that have like tried everything under the sun and gone the standard route and, you know, followed all the doctor recommended things and, 
and just nothing has has worked for them and then they go to a retreat like that or uh, we're going to be talking about ayahuasca on the podcast today uh and all of a sudden uh everything and i don't i don't want to oversell things and it's not a magic blah 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 blah. but but the idea that there are people finding so much help and so much relief in this thing that we still have to be like oh i i gotta be very careful who finds out about this it's so sad yeah but the times are changing you see i i remember even years ago seeing things on fox news of all places you know mm-hmm. and uh cnn and it's it's per- and now with michael pollan's book coming out and, and getting more mainstream it's it's really percolating out so it's exciting times and and that's why i'm really excited about these conferences like the maps conference and, and laps is that people can see that it's not a bunch of hippy dippy stuff you know it's like a, this is real science it's you know double blind controlled you know the gold standard stuff and uh and with those the rigorous controls, they're finding amazing, amazing uses for these uh, these compounds, which is is mind boggling when you look at it. And that that's why when people are resistant to it, if I just say, well, just you know, take a look at some of the, the real science about it, and then maybe you'll they'll change your mind because there's such a conception they they have based on their their past and and uh, all the scare tactics and whatnot they've been exposed to that it takes a lot to kind of break through that paradigm in their mind and have them see that oh well maybe you know there's something more to this than uh people jumping out of buildings you know or all the, the scare tactics and the hype and so. i i couldn't believe it myself how judgmental even i was i've been doing psychedelics for uh 22 years now or something like that mm-hmm. um they've they've been incredible in my life and and i started doing my show and touring around and and um especially the the it was it was very hard for me to get booked at clubs even find a venue to have the show at uh early on at first like traditional comedy clubs especially were uh mm-hmm. reluctant to uh to book it um but i even myself expected to see a lot more like tie-dye and dreadlocks and everything and by the way uh like my, my girlfriend's a hippie a lot of my best friends are hippies <laughs> i just like making fun of hippies <laughs> mostly because they have a good sense of humor and yeah. don't mind yeah. um so so there's uh, uh, let, let's not be so judgmental about hippies anyway but but it is um uh, the uh, the kind of idea that comes into people's heads when you hear about a psychedelic user is like the cliche sixties, like grungy hippie thing. And the people that come out to my shows, I mean, there's a little bit of that. And usually it's just like someone found their old, uh, you know, grateful dead shirt that yeah. they haven't worn in 15 <laughs> years or whatever for, for my show. Um, but, but this is, um, you know, very intelligent people with good jobs and families and everything else. I mean, and and now uh, the way things, I mean, everyone's hearing about microdosing in Silicon Valley. These are, these are the leaders of, of the future and yeah. people creating all these technological advances that are, that are doing psychedelics as well. So it's, it's definitely breaking down some barriers. Yeah. That was one of the surprises when I first went to maps is, uh, you know, didn't know quite what to expect, but you see all these people who look like they're, they could be at a accounting meeting or something, mm-hmm. you know, you see housewives, you see business people and, and it, not a lot of the, the hippie element is there, you know, which you, know, you do have that, but it's, it, it was a lot different than I expected it to be. And I, and which is 
interesting you know it's like because it did, did break down that i even i had that stereotype as well it's like well people are gonna be interested or like people who like taking drugs and like you know which it's true in a way, but you know, yeah. well, like <laughs> counterculture people and yeah. people that are like very much kind of uh, rebelling against the social norms and and whatnot, mm-hmm. and, and that is something that comes along with it. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, you get the whole spectrum. But uh, but by and large, them most of the people you see at maps are people who you we had no idea were were interested in this kind of thing, or, or you know, and you, you look at the researchers and they look like normal researchers, you know, that no one has, you know, I mean, some might have a long ponytail or something like that, but in, uh, for the most part, just very square looking. Yeah. I, I had, <laughs> not to I, say that in a mean way. I, yeah, I, I want to be careful. I don't want to like be making fun of, uh, someone in general, but, but I'm, well, I'm sure he wouldn't mind. So I'm going to say it anyway. When we talk about, uh, Cole Marta, he works, he yeah. works with Dr. Terry early. Yeah. Terry's going to be there too. Oh, great. Yeah, Terry, Terry is awesome. They're, what an awesome they guy. Both, yeah. But awesome if you people. just Google Terry early, and yeah. Google him, it, it, he, he very much looks like, uh, a school principal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you would never pick him out of a lineup uh, as someone you would guess to be exactly. someone that works within the psychedelic field. Yeah. And, and I think that's encouraging for, um, I, I have, uh, uh, you know, this is a science podcast and I think I have a, a lot of listeners that have, um, that are interested in hearing my stuff about psychology and neuroscience and evolution and all that stuff and have, uh, have never, um, done a psychedelic and I'm sure have, um, reservations of their own. And I think that, I think that that really helps, um, open people up when, uh, because I don't think it's, I don't think it's a problem when someone like wears comfortable clothing and grows their hair out. But, um, but it is in, in terms of kind of getting the message through to the mainstream. Um, I think it is eye opening for people to see that their, their stereotypes were incorrect. Right. And that, that's, what's beautiful about Michael Pollan's book now coming out. Cause he, he had right. this, this talk about mainly food and, uh, you know, kind of, safer you know i guess uh mainstream type stuff and now for him to come out and write this book and it's it's huge you know he's he's making a huge splash in uh, the, the different podcasts media news shows and stuff so he's, he's really getting them with the word out and in the way he talks about it is is perfect because he's a person who's very new to it and so he, his descriptions are are wonderful you know i, I when i listened listen to his book on and uh on audible and um you know, a lot of the stuff I already know because, you know, being in the field so long, but, but just to hear his take on it from a very new, very green, clear perspective. Yeah. It was is, outsider. Yeah. It was, it's perfect, you know, yeah. and, and, and I think people, it, it's more accessible that way instead of like someone coming who's, you know, like a, you know, Timothy Leary type who's really steeped into it, you know, saying it doesn't have quite the same impact as someone who's seeing it for the first time and, and really um, seeing the benefit, possible benefits of it. Howdy listeners, if you haven't checked out the new Quip electric toothbrush that I've been raving about, here's another pitch for you. First, I'm a traveling man and storing my Quip is the easiest I've ever had with traveling with a toothbrush. I've often had a you know Ziploc bag or whatever with, with my electric toothbrush in it and then also the button 
is kind of away from, you'll see if you go to getquip.com slash here we are, you'll see the button is in a different area on the Quip toothbrush. And so it's not as easy to just accidentally turn on. But then it's also rather than using like a Ziploc bag like I've used, uh, I uh, has this little tube that it comes with that stores it in a just kind of cleaner environment and keeps it from turning on uh, without your knowledge. And then you have a drained battery on the road and you forgot your charger and all these things that happen to the to the traveling electric toothbrush user. So that's that's just one small, small little bonus with the Quip electric toothbrush. The other features for starters, Quip is the uh, the electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes while packing just the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. Quip's built-in timer helps you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. Next, Quip subscription plans are for your teeth, not just convenience. They deliver new brush heads on the dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. And don't forget, Quip also has a little suction cup thing on that uh, on the travel case I was just describing, and you can stick it on your mirror so you can you can keep your uh, your uh, vanity top a little cleaner. At home, like I always have my my electric, my old electric toothbrushes were always falling over, and I'm a germaphobe. Then the brush is touching the top, and it drives me. Now my quip is just uh, nestled, and it's it's a little cozy on my mirror. It's fantastic. And finally, everyone loves quip. They they were on Oprah's O list, named one of Time's best inventions, and the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association. Plus, they're backed by a network of over twenty thousand dentists and hygienists and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers use quip every day quip starts at just 25 dollars. and if you go to getquip.com slash here we are right now not only will you be helping me out you'll get your first refill pack free with a quip electric toothbrush that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash here we are spelled g-e-t-q-u-i-p dot com slash here we are I was really happy with how my documentary came out because I didn't know what the shape of it was going to be or the direction of it was going to be. And I had, uh, man, my, my director is probably hearing this for the first time now. <laughs> I, I kind of hope he's not listening now, but my director, Brian Bellenkoff is fantastic and he like really carried the film on, no, but early on I had some pretty big reservations about him because he didn't really have hardly any psychedelic experience at all. And I, I throughout the filming had some very like, grand and like manic ideas of how to how to like really capture exactly what the psychedelic looks like and feels like and and uh, you know the uh, uh, kind of really uh bringing people through the different like uh i i had ideas of uh at one point where we were going to like set up a green screen and and explore the different wormholes of your mind that you could go into <laughs> during a particular trip or whatever and what my director who is less experienced ended up putting together was something that is far more understandable mm-hmm. and something that is a lot more uh, i mean 
I I can't imagine what my film would have been like if I would have tried if he would have tried to use my overly complicated <laughs> ideas. But we ended up making something nice and accessible that I think most people can understand. And that is that's something nice to see coming out is uh, all these stories from people like Michael Pollan, all these people that are all of a sudden uh, it's not. Um, it's not just, uh, you know, the kind of the people that you'd expect. Right. And that's why it's always nice to see other celebrities come out and talk about uh, if they've had a life-changing ayahuasca experience or, you know, um, been helped by cannabis or something like that. Because, you know, like it or not, celebrities have a big reach and they're impactful. So, mm. I mean, when you have someone big and have a lot of listeners and a lot of viewers see that, hey, that's for someone I like and someone who you know, more or less normal, you know, I guess, mm. <laughs> you know, talking about this, it, it lends more credibility to it, I think. Well, one day when I'm a celebrity, I'm going to tell people all about my experience. <laughs> um, so you are going to be, I imagine, busy as hell during this conference. The, these two days, you're going to be running around making sure everything is just firing on all, all cylinders. And, and, and there's a, uh, you, you got to, ton of different presenters and panels and uh, a very busy schedule. What are some things that you personally, you're like, I don't care. I'm going to make sure and see this particular panel or this speaker. Like, like are there a couple things that, that you're especially excited for? Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to see them all go. So I'm not going to be away <laughs> from it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be emceeing the thing. So I have to see them all, but uh, yeah, there, you know, Someone on a different podcast asked me the same question. I, I hate to play favorites, um, but uh, you know. So I'll just mention some. I mean, of course, we have some of the big wigs in the field. Which, I mean, you can you mention know. everything if you like, but it, but yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, what I love about this conference is uh, we have a wide variety of uh, you know, just same similar to maps. We have some of the people who've been in there for a long time, like like Dennis McKenna is going to talk about forty five years with ayahuasca, you know, which is. Very interesting, very huge. And he's, you know, giant in the field. James Fadiman, uh, Gabor Mate, you know, some, so anyone who knows anything about psychedelics know that they, they're pretty big and mm -hmm. they have a lot of knowledge and, uh, they're always great to see. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then again, we have, uh, some new people in the field. Uh, we have, um, like Caitlin Thompson, who's, uh, uh, young up and comer. We have some uh, other, some people on the five MEO panel who are young up and comers and, uh, and that I could talk about the five MEO panel right now because that's kind of an interesting hot topic. Um, it is. Yeah. I, w I was going to, I, I wasn't sure if that was okay to bring up. But sure. That, yeah. Yeah. Can, can you inform people about like what is some of the, the controversy? And well, I mean, just the field itself, first of all, is pretty controversial and some of the practitioners in it. Um, so I was at the, the Ashland conference. Um, couple weeks ago and oh let me let me just quick for for the listener um so the listener knows they've heard me talk about dmt a lot because okay. I've, I've done uh dmt i've had about 100 breakthroughs or so wow. and i talk about them uh i talk about dmt in the show i've talked about dmt a ton on a bunch of different podcasts but five I mean, i've been offered several times and it's just never been like the exact right situation mm -hmm. and and but that five ma so just for the listener that doesn't know what we're talking five mao dmt um, I'll just say this about it this is that's the one that 
people hear me talk about DMT in the show and then they come up to me afterwards and they're like, have you done the five? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I haven't done the five. And then they're like, oh, that's like the next level. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, yeah. the next level. I didn't know it could go much higher than that. But anyway. It, yeah, it's different. Um, you know, I mean, I think 5-MEO aficionados would say it's higher and, and better and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, I don't want to make those kind of judgments, but it, it, it's very different. So, it, hmm. um, you know, for people who don't know, you know the, I'm sure your listeners probably know the, a little bit about the difference. You know, when you take ayahuasca, that's NNDMT, or if you smoke it, um, you get a lot of visual experiences. You, I mean, you can have a whole panoply of different experiences, uh, you know, from spiritual breakthroughs to alien planets to Did I just learn elves. a new word, panoply? I hope I didn't make that up. That is a word, right? Oh, no, I, I just have a, I have a, I'm insecure about my vocabulary, but I'm, com- I'm coming out of the closet as someone with a poor vocabulary. So I'm just, now when I hear a word, I don't know. I'm just, okay. rather than pretending I know it, I'm like, wait, I'm going to stop you right there. Well, I thought it sounded good. So I hope it means something. <laughs> Panopoly. Um, it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look it up real quick. Okay. We can always edit this out if it turns out. It's not a word. Although now, now if that I think it is being, a word. Um, yeah, pa- uh, panoply. Oh yeah, no, don't take my word. Okay. Right? Like I don't. Uh, okay. Um, uh, does, um, does it mean what I wanted to mean? <laughs> a magnificent or impressive array. There you go. I'm, See, I'm I was right. That, well, I just love when a, a listener gets a new word for the week. Okay. So good. sorry to stop you. No problem. So yeah, there's anyone who's read any of uh, Rick Strassman's work um, knows. I mean, there's a whole variety of experiences you can have. Uh, Terrence McKenna was very famous talking about machine elves and um, people never talk. Never seen the machine elves. Never seen them. Never, never heard them or anything, huh? No, I, I've seen most of the other things. <laughs> okay, yeah. and very visual. And uh, I mean, some of the visions can be very similar to what you see in ayahuasca if you, you get visions on that. Um, but five email is. Ex- very, very different. It's not a very visual um, experience. Um, you can have visuals, of course, but uh, th- that's not the, the highlight of the, the experience. It's it's more of a, um, what I like to cut. I mean, done with the right way and getting to where you want to go, it, it induces a mystical experience um, pretty reliably in people who are, you know, can do that. Um, again, not everyone does that. And some, some people can have very tough experiences. It's, and it's not something to be trifled with either. Cause I've, I've heard experiences of people ha- being kind of knocked for a loop for months and months. Just, mm-hmm. and, and these are people who did not have, um, uh, schizophrenia in their background or, or anything like that. They weren't pre-psychotic. So it's not something to be taken lightly, but, um, but when it works the way it's supposed to, it, it's life changing. And I, I think you know Ashley Booth has been pretty open with her experiences and how that changed her life. And, and I've heard from more than more than one person who uh, went into the experience as an atheist and came out not an atheist. So it's. I mean, Ashley has. Uh, I should. I could, I really need to. Oh, Ashley's coming on this podcast. I'm getting her later this month. But right. she was a marine biologist yeah. and everything. And I think when I mean, I've talked to her, well, I shouldn't even say before I have her on, but I think she used to be a little toward the skeptical side and had. Well, she she was an atheist. Yeah. So and um, by the way, she'll be at Laps as well. At yeah, the MDMA she's so panel. Good. Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, so yeah, so the very different experiences. Um, so this five MEO panel and and uh, 
I don't know how much you want to get into this, but there's several practitioners. I mean, every practitioner has their own way of, of administering the medicine, and there's a lot of disagreement on that. And so, um, one of the more controversial um, characters out there right now is uh, Octavio Reddick uh, from Mexico, and he administers toad medicine, you know, um, from the Sonoran Desert toad. And he's pretty open about his techniques. Like he, he, there's things on the internet you can see. You can, you can go in there right now and, and get his name, and you can see him doing these controversial techniques. Um, everything from using a taser to get someone to stand up, um, to take more medicine, uh, or pouring water down someone's mouth just to get them to start breathing again. Or like one time he kicked, wow. it looked like he was kicking someone in the nuts. Um, so it's just a part of the process. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, it. so, you know, when, when I first saw, you know, I'm, I'm saw a thread on Facebook about, about this and, and people were immediately kind of, you know, coming down and I'm condemning, condemning him. And, and so, but my first reaction was like, well, you know, I would like to hear his rationale for that because is this something like where he, he's thinking like he's like a Zen Roshi beating someone with a stick, you know, like a, when you're, um, in Zen meditation, sometimes, uh, the, the Roshi or a priest or whatever will come around and, um, with your permission, it'll hit you with a stick to kind of, you know, make you more alert. That what is that what's going on here? Um, so anyway, um, Martin invited but him. Don't, don't sign the "you can kick my balls" waiver when you when you. No, get but that that you know, and, and and my thing is like that's the only time you should kick someone in the balls if they do sign that waiver. You know, yeah. it should be informed consent. You know, and I think that's where he's getting a lot of hot waters because it, it it seems like I mean I think for some of these people he might have had advanced conversations about these kind of things, but uh, for the most part, no, I don't think. You know, you know, correct me. If, he could correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he got permission from this guy. Right. Like, can I tase you in, in your ass if you don't stand up or you don't, you know, yeah. do what I think is best for you? And, uh, you know, that's very touchy when you get in that situation where you think, I know it's best for you and I'm going to do it whether or not it's against your will. You know, it, I, I can't think of any other field where that's okay you know certainly in psychology where i'm from that's extremely not okay you know it's informed consent is you know in medical research everything that's that's a cornerstone of the whole thing you know Mm -hmm. um you got to let people know what they're getting into and not deviate from that in ways that might cause them harm and then that's a whole nother thing i'm not going to get into like were, were these people harmed or not i mean i some of these people might have come out better for it but i i don't know i know there's it's rumored that he's uh, some people have died during ceremonies with him and I don't know the circumstance of that so I won't talk too much about that but so anyway um it's pretty clear I was not going to invite him to this conference this is the f- coming out of the blocks first ever in Los Angeles and I wanted to have it you know kind of that seemed like a further down the road thing if ever you know having someone like that um that controversial but you know Martin had him on um in the panel and I thought well That'll be interesting, you know. Maybe he'll get a chance to talk about um, some of these practices and and give his rationale for doing that. So it went pretty well at first. I mean, I thought it was an interesting panel. Um, Octavia didn't get anyone on the panel to agree with his methods, which was good. I thought because you know, I mean, everyone was kind of challenging him on that, taking him to task, is like saying that this isn't good. This is, and it's not only isn't it probably not good for those people. Um, and again, I can't comment on that because I don't know the aftermath, but, but it's not good for the field. It, it's, it, 
in anything that tarnishes the field, I think, you know, we need to kind of keep, uh, kind of police ourselves as much as we can. Cause as we know from the, the sixties, you know, if, it, if we don't police ourselves, the government is going to come in and police it or some, some other regulatory agency. So, so anyway, that, that I thought the, the panel went, uh, it was very interesting, uh, some good points, but at the end of it, um, Martin went up and started de- defending, um, Octavio and he got very emotional. And, uh, if you've, do you know Martin at all? No. Okay. So you can see he was at Lamps one time and you know, I, I, I love Martin. I'll just come out and say, I, I love Martin. He's, I think he's great. Um, I don't agree a hundred percent with everything he does, but I think he's onto something. He has a, he, his voice is a, a valuable asset to the field. Um, so, you know, and every time at his conference, he does tend to get emotional. It's, it's usually like in a, a, just feeling overwhelmed by the, the joy of it or just, you know, but this time it, he was overwhelmed by kind of the, the anger that mm-hmm. uh, for the way things have happened with Octavio and, and all the Octavio bashing and people um, saying pr- pretty mean things on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much time he spent on Facebook, but sometimes these groups can get rather contentious and, uh, you know, it's a free for all witch hunt types sometimes. And uh, he ended up saying some bad words and uh, he kind of lost it a little bit. He had a little tantrum. Just put it that way. And he's gotten so much flack for that. And, uh, and I think, I think rightly so to a degree, you know, I think, you know, everyone has the right to be unfiltered and say whatever they want to say, but you also didn't have to take responsibility for that. Mm. And, uh, and unless he, you're a stand up comedian, I had a tantrum on stage last weekend. <laughs> okay. so it's like- you get carte blanche for that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but for him, you know, being, uh, you know, an author in the field, you know, kind of an authority uh-huh. and, um, uh, you know, that, that kind of behavior just is excessive, I think, you know, and, and I think it kind of backfired on him. And so, so, you know, fast forward now, we, he's going to be on the panel with, uh, um, three other people, you know, James Orock, um, uh, Rafael Lanzaletta and Annie Ortiz. And so, but meanwhile, I've been getting a lot of questions from people in the community and include about, you know, well, what do I think of his, uh, what happened? So, and it kind of feeling like a pressure of, you know, I, I don't know, like, should I even have him there type thing? <clears throat> so I, f- I felt like, well, you know, this is serious. I need to take this seriously. And I'm, and I need to kind of come down hard on this. And, um, cause it, this cannot happen at this conference. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to let this happen. So just having conversations with them, just making sure that, um, this is a civil discourse, you know, cause you know, James Orock, I don't know if you've had him on the show or if you know who he is, you know, he's wrote trip, trip to mean palace and, uh, you know, brilliant guy and another very strong personality. And, and, um, you know, him and Martin don't see eye to eye to eye on, um, the techniques and stuff. And so, which is hmm. fine. I, I was thinking, well, that's why I was kind of excited about this panel. I want to yeah. see, you know, like them, them talking about it and just get some civil discourse, but made it very clear. There's, not to be any escalation, you know, right. like this. It's civil and you're not going to, there's not going to be name calling. There's not going to be anything that's, um, even questionable that way. So with that all being said, that's still one of the, the panels that I'm really excited about, um, because I, it's, it's an extremely important compound and it's something, it's kind of a new kid on the block, really. Like, you know, th- these other ones have been around for a longer, longer period of time and, um, 5MEO doesn't have a lot of, uh, research behind it. <clears throat> um, 
I was hoping to originally have someone talk about the research on that, and they had a, the pullouts, unfortunately. So I, I, the two people on the panel are involved with research, so I want to get that in there. But um, so it's a well-rounded panel, and we're going to get a lot of different perspectives on it. You know, the scientific perspective, um, Martin's perspective, which is very unique and very Martin, um, and James O'Rock's perspective. You know, who's a, another authority on the field, who's written one of the best books on it. So. I think it's going to be exciting as long as we can all behave ourselves and, um, you know, act civilly. Well, I'm glad that I asked and I'm, I'm glad that you shared that because that does, uh, that just goes to show you that psychedelics are just endlessly fascinating. I would have, I would have never, <laughs> never even thought like, are there any rivalries that anyone's going to want to catch? <laughs> rivalries <with? laughs> galore. And, uh, you know, you just have to watch some vice programs. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had, uh, Dr. Jerry on there, um, who's another, um, pr- pr- uh, practitioner in the field who's kind of in hot water right now for some of his practices. And mm. um, so it, it's an interesting time. I, I've heard people talk about psychedelics now as being kind of like the wild west and uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a cliche, but it, it's actually has some merit to it. You know, mm. that they're, we're tr- still trying to fill out the borders and, and what's, you know, the right path and police ourselves with this. And uh well, this is the importance of people doing uh, doing their research and yeah. figuring out as much as they can. And I, I mean, it's a good lesson for me too, because when I was in Jamaica, I'm, I'm doing another retreat with uh, Eric Osborne in uh, December, I think first through ninth or something like that. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I'll probably abandon my practice. I was giving everyone, I call them cosmic wedgies, uh, which was it was kind of it was. I give everyone at wedgies while they're on mushrooms and kind of <laughs> okay. breaks them through to the other. But now that I hear that, <laughs> that's your Zen stick, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that I hear hear that story, I'm like, maybe I should have. Maybe that was a controversial practice. That's a all, little but. less painful than a, the taser, I think, but you know, still kind of questionable. <laughs> so, um, man, I, I feel like, um, uh, it, is it okay if, if we go a little long on this sure. conversation? Yeah, yeah. Do you have a, yeah, do yeah. you have a hard out or anything? Yeah. I feel like we're, uh, we have so much to talk about, um, because we haven't even gotten to, uh, your research yet, which yeah, well, I you... have no idea how long this is going to take because it's fascinating. Do you want me to talk a little bit more about laps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Absolutely. Um, so we have, I believe, six panels now, and each of them are, are fascinating. Um, I mean, the last one is is on um, the future of psychedelic medicine research. And we have David J. Brown, Daniel Pinchbeck, Ben Stewart, and James Orock. Um, and Ben Stewart, for those of you who don't know, um, did the Psychedelica series on Gaia. Hmm. Awesome, awesome. I highly recommend that. You can see I, the free I think one. I'm on that. I think that I might. You are on that. Yeah. <laughs> you think you're on it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, you know how good it is, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, and Ben Stewart's also going to be moderating another panel, too. But for that panel, we have Zach Leary. He's going to be moderating. Um, Love Zach. Yeah. He's uh, what, the stepson, I believe, right? Yeah. He's, yep. Of uh, Timothy Leary. Yep. Has his own podcast, and he's going to be live podcasting that one. So, that's going to be, you know, extra exciting for that. Um, we have one with veterans. Um, in fact, we're still trying to get one or two more on that panel, but these are veterans who have been helped by, um, <clears throat> by, uh, psychedelic medicine or could be, you know, cannabis, something like that. But we have people who have gone through, uh, use ayahuasca for PTSD. Um, uh, many people know about the MDMA studies with maps. Uh, amazing. When 
In fact, that when I went to the first MAPS conference, that was the first thing I said in when was the Mythoffer's talk about um, the research with uh, PTSD at MDMA. I had them on the <sighs> on the show. You did, uh, yeah. And I, I got goosebumps just, just thinking so about that. Lucky and yeah. so fortunate that uh, that I I got to have them on. But they're just amazing. They're people. amazing, amazing couple, amazing work. And and if you anyone who has any. And for skeptics, just look at the graphs that come out of that because that, that, the proof's in the pudding there that you don't see effect sizes that big. Um, effect sizes kind of like, um, just how powerful the, um, effect of the medicine is, uh, when it's measured, but nothing comes close to that. No, you know, no pharmaceutical, no form of psychotherapy, nothing touches or to, even the same ballpark. I know. I'm. Uh, I'm a fan of graphs. I think most people are. Yeah. <laughs> I have a science podcast. I find myself looking at a whole lot of study graphs and those ones are just off the chart by comparison. Yeah. And, and so I, I highly recommend people go to, to the maps website and just try to find that or just, you know, Google uh, maps, um, PTSD, MDMA research and look at those graphs. Cause that, if that, if those don't amaze you or, you know, move you in some way, then, you know, you're, you're not going to be moved by the, any of this research because that's kind of like the, uh, one of the flagships, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and thankfully, uh, Rick Doblin's been doing great work, you know, pushing this forward. So, you know, um, MDMA is going to be taken off schedule one and be, be able to, but be able to use it for, um, psychotherapy. And, uh, uh rightly so because, you know, 22 vets a day killing themselves, you know, it's, um, and just, you know, PTSD is, rampant in our society and uh, there's not a lot of good treatments for it um i mean even uh, let's forget about ptsd for a moment um i mean what a amazing substance yeah. anyway oh, yeah. even if yeah. you don't have ptsd i just had some um for uh, was, uh i had some just before christmas and then i just had some uh uh let's say a short time ago just so i don't blow up any of my friends spots unnecessarily because i i'm out of the closet but not everyone is um i had i had uh i did some with some friends and uh, hung out around a fire and shared stories and and one of the things that stuck out to me was there was um there was someone there that was uh new to not drinking and 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 sobriety and i asked them if they were um, uh, cause there was another night where most people were drinking a lot. Um, and, uh, I asked them, i I got sober a year ago, um, myself in terms of alcohol. And, uh, and I asked them if they were kind of, um, annoyed or felt excluded or anything like that. And they, they were much happier sober being around a bunch of people on, it was actually MDA. Um, and, uh, but, uh, than being around a bunch of drunk people. And, yeah, and yeah. I mean, alcohol is like, if you don't drink, people are like, what? <laughs> What's, what? I mean, I'm from Wisconsin. If, if, if I tell people like, oh, you know, alcohol just kind of stopped making me happy after a while, they'll be like, well, did you try drinking more of it? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I tried stronger. that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so it's, I mean, it's just, and this is something that, I mean, most people that are using it uh quote unquote regularly that i know that's like four times a year maybe mm, yeah. I, I would say it's like pretty regular whereas a lot of people are 
drinking many times a week. Some people uh, like me every day um, when I was a drinker. And, and so, so even it's, it's so nice when we uh, have, uh, you know, veterans and victims of sexual abuse that, that are treatment resistant and have tried everything else. And then they stumble across this thing, which for uh, many of them is really a life changing miracle. But, Let's not forget that they're they're tremendously therapeutic for lots of people. I I was exploring old, uh, I was, I was reminiscing of, uh, I, I had, uh, out of the blue, everyone was doing little, little, um, uh, weird little talents they have. And I did my, (laughs) I can do a little, a, a little hand whistle thing. And then I, and then I started exploring, how I um, how I learned that, and it was I used to tape David Letterman every day, and I'd watch it every day, and he would start each show with that, and then I just started exploring like my childhood influences and how I turned into a comedian and all, that. and it wasn't like it wasn't like some exploring some childhood trauma or something like that. It was this interesting nostalgic look back and thinking about like all of the. Th- all of the things that happened in my life to bring me to this place. And it was just this beautiful uh, moment that, um, I mean, to deny people of that just is, it's a crime. Um, yeah, it's an, it's an amazing compound. There's so many different applications for it. Um, you know, with the, the way research goes is, uh, these kind of things, is it's easier to get research for conditions that are hard to treat. There aren't very good treatments for Um so that's why I think, you know, start with PTSD and stuff. But, but you're certainly right. There's, I mean, most people I think could get, who are open to it and should to it can get a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I first talked to um, Charles Grobe about um, doing research on stuff, he, he was saying, I think they first considered using MDMA, you know, Charlie's research with uh, psilocybin and, and people with cancer um, near the end of their life. Um, I've, I've heard of it, but just briefly, can you explain for the listener? Yeah. Get me back on track if I get <laughs> too much. Oh, it's a fascinating the, thing. Good luck. My, my mind's all over <laughs> the place too. You're all over the place with yeah, this. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so they were looking for, do research with people with, um, uh, stage four cancer and, uh, with severe death anxiety, existential death anxiety. And, uh, the first thought about, you know, MDMA, cause you know, as you know, MDMA is very heart opening. It's a very wonderful, warm feeling. And so like for someone who's in the throes of, uh, anxiety over, or over their, um, cancer and their impending, um, death, they thought this might be a, a good thing, but, for reasons of cardiotoxicity and the, the drug dependency, which for me, I thought that sounded kind of weird. The person's dying and they're worried about, you know, this toxicity, but I understand it, but it just thought right. I'd throw that in there. Um, so they thought they'd use something safer with a safer profile. And, um, so psilocybin is extremely safe. Um, you know, there, there's our risks for it. Most of them are, um, more psychological and, and, you know, transitory fear and stuff like that. But, but in terms of physical toxicity, it's extremely safe. Um, so they went with that instead and got nothing short of just really amazing results. And this is a pilot study. They, I think they had about 12 people. And uh, if anyone is interested in that, just look it up. And they, they have YouTubes on online for people who have gone through it. There's this one woman who is an attorney 
Um, she had a five-year, um, I, I think, certain amount of time she was supposed to live, and she exceeded that amount of time. And then, then she developed the anxiety, which is kind of interesting. But just really crippling anxiety is like, you know, not being able to make plans, like I'm still going to be alive and just, you know, which is understandable um, in that situation. And her transformation <sighs> was just... I never thought about that before. That's such a depressing thought, <laughs> like not being able to make plans because you don't know. Yeah. Gonna, oh, yeah. I was like, well, we're going to go to Gracie Grandma because, oh, well, you know, yeah. It's, right. Ugh. And for her too, I'm sure it's there's probably a threshold where that started happening. And mm-hmm. so long story short, you just, when she went through that, it was just transforming. She was able to, the anxiety went down, depression went down. Um, she was able to enjoy the present moment, you know, cause it, you can imagine being in that thing you you're just, you might have regrets about the past. You you know, just thinking about all the time or just, you know, thinking about the, the fear of death, mm-hmm. you know, but here she was able to spend the, the remaining time with her husband, which, you know, just beautiful, you know, everyone should have that, opportunity you know and mm-hmm. i think we're heading that way eventually but and on the heels of that uh johns hopkins and nyu had studies on this as well with uh they got a uh, bigger population they different criteria um different you know stronger dose of psilocybin and stuff and very similar results if not more impressive just amazing stuff in fact at, at laps we're going to have uh you know as you know you're going to be in part of the documentary film night one of the documentaries we're doing is uh, psilocybin, a new understanding. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I think it's, uh, you can see it for free and just um, do a little searching for it, but amazing stuff. They, they interview these people who, you know, I think all of them had stage four cancer or, you know, um, and just the, the transformation is just amazing. Mm. It just, and just what often with one dose, one life changing dose, they get, you know, and, going back to what I'm excited about this conference is like, we're going to have people from Johns Hopkins at NYU talk about these studies and talk about um, psilocybin and mystical experiences. Cause for those of you who don't know, it's just that's some of the most fascinating stuff I've ever seen come out of uh, psychedelic research is the stuff with the mystical experiences and how that in itself is um, healing. Mm-hmm. They did a study with um, smokers and people who had trouble quitting and <clears throat> fascinating stuff. That, so they, they found that people who had a mystical experience, I believe six months down, they um, were still smoke-free. They didn't go back to it, you know, versus the, the control group, you know, just large, huge percentage went back. And you compare that with what's on the market now for smoking cessation, and I won't name names, but you just look at the side effects, you know, just enough to make you think, Oh my God, I'd rather smoke than have these, you know, <laughs> but in, in this has the side effect is you feel like you're one with God. You know, if you, you see your, your true identity, if you believe that's your true identity or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's just fascinating. fascinating oh, stuff. I mean, I was, I was a smoker for many, many, many years and uh, Maybe too. I, I, I quit, <laughs> uh, I quit twice and I, I, I'm not sure if I can claim that psilocybin necessarily was a huge contributor, but I think that it helped, certainly. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to say that because I also had plenty of uh, psilocybin experiences while being a smoker. And, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's about setting intentions and everything else, too. I, exactly. I, hadn't, I hadn't gone about setting that intention in the, right. the other trips, so... Yeah. Um, for me is ayahuasca. I mean, after my first ayahuasca, I, I quit pretty closely after that. And I was like, mm-hmm. it, 
you know, is part part intention, but uh, I was just amazed at how easier it was after that. Not that it's that way for everyone, but for me, it was just, it's like, wow, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, and as you know, if, uh, ayahuasca is being used for all sorts of um, addictions, among other things. So it's amazing stuff out there. <laughs> Well, I'm very excited to hear about your ayahuasca research. Um, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. <clears throat> so this is, um, you know, I was, you know, talking with Charles Grobe after I got wind of his research with the, um, psilocybin and, um, death anxiety and stuff like that and, um, expressed an interest in, in doing research in this area. And so had a couple of conversations with him. He's an extremely nice guy, very accessible and, um, uh, so at one point, um, you know, I had a conversation with him right around when I was turning 50. And, um, for some reason, I thought, I wouldn't want to go to Peru and drink ayahuasca. You know, it'd be kind of a neat thing to do, you know, to celebrate. So, which I did and it was life changing, you know, <clears throat> for a long time, even now, I sometimes think about my life as pre ayahuasca and post ayahuasca because <laughs> it, it changed my life, you know, in many, many ways. And so talking to Charlie about that is like, I'd love to do research with this. And we talk about possible ways of doing research in this country. And, um, and then we got, um, Ter- uh, Dennis McKenna involved with the conversation too. And, um, yeah, I asked, would you like to do research in this country with this? And his response was pretty much, you know, he's not really interested in doing research in this country because it would, he'd be dead by the time it gets approved. <laughs> These things are very slow moving and, and especially for ayahuasca because, you know, psilocybin is, is synthesized into a pill. So you pretty much know what you get. Ayahuasca is at least two different plants in, in different combinations. And a lot of times people add things to that. So just getting a standardized dose is tricky. And, um, you know, a lot of other reasons why it's more tricky. So, but he said he's had a retreat in Peru in the Sacred Valley where people are going to come and they're going to be doing it anyway. And you know, might we use them for like a pilot study? And so I thought, you know, that's a brilliant idea. You know, these are people. Who, and so we got permission through the IRB to just administer questionnaires. So we didn't take any responsibility for, you know, administering it or anything like that. It's just these are people going there anyway. It's a handy sample. Let's, let's, let's measure before and after and, um, further down the road and get some, uh, longitudinal measures. Which is what we did. So we designed a study where, um, got a lot of information on past, um, hallucinant, um, past psychedelic use, including ayahuasca, um, got people's intentions and so forth. Then we had standardized measures. And one of them was the S called SEL 90. It's <clears throat> symptom checklist 90. And it's 90 items that measure nine different, um, aspects of, um, psychiatric distress. So it's depression, anxiety, hostility, um, phobias, and so forth. And we also threw in a measure for um, uh, an existential measure. And this is based on the work of Viktor Frankl, who many people know um, was in a concentration camp during World War II and wrote a book, Man's Search for Meaning, which is you know an amazing piece of work um, where you notice how people who tended to languish and die, just their sense of meaning, they didn't have that sense of meaning to carry them through. And people who survived were ones that had a sense of meaning and were able to hold on to that. Like, you know, they didn't know if their family members were dead or they wanted to make sure that they lived so that this wouldn't happen again. 
you know, stuff like that. But the people who languished and died just had an erosion of the meaning. So someone developed a questionnaire based on his work. Um, and we use that and it measured, uh, six different aspects of, um, uh, of meaning. So one of them was you know, just a sense of purpose. Like how much do you, do, does your life have a sense of purpose? How much does your life have a, a sense of cohesion? Like it seems to make sense and it's like, it seems to be, you look back on it. Yeah. It's, there's a story there kind of thing. And, but one of the more interesting measures was uh, called death acceptance. And it could also be looked at in terms of like our fear of death. So I thought, well, that'd be interesting to look at as well. Cause another word for, you know, ayahuasca is another name for it is, you know, um, the bind of the dead, you know, as well as um, the other meanings. So what we did was we went down there, we um, gave measure, the, all these measures to people before any ayahuasca. And then um, there were, there are three different uh, ayahuasca ceremonies. And um, then we took a post measure after the last ceremony. And, um, and that's where a lot of studies stop. And I'm glad we kept going with that because we got great data, like um, three months after that and then six months after that. Um, we have someone coming to uh, LAPS to give his research on um, the fast acting quality of, of uh, ayahuasca for depression, but they don't have longitudinal. So it's like, well, it's great. You get, you get this uh, drop in the depression, but does it last? You know, is it like psilocybin where it can last you know, six months longer, you know, or is it more like ketamine where it can last longer, but on average it tends less, you know, less, less long. So, um, so we want to see, you know, how long does it last? Is it, is it a flash in the pan where you need to keep redoing it or is it something that uh, has lasting effects? So, um, what we found was, uh, first of all, with the psychiatric measures, um, very good news is that, uh, Across the board, all these measures seem to drop over time. And so for the pre and post tests, we found like significant drop in depression, hostility, and all these sort of things. And, and then, uh, you know, seeing the data roll in for the three month is, is kind of curious, like, oh my God, is it, is it going to hold? Is it going to hold? And then, you know, of course, whatever happens, happens. And that's the truth. But at the same time, it's hard not to think you want, it, you know, to, to show efficacy later down the road. And not only did it, did it hold, but the, if you look at the the graphs, um, there's also in, increased improvement over time. So like it goes down even further, like a huge drop in depression, for example. Mm-hmm. So at the post-test, it goes down quite a ways, but then at three months, it goes down way even further than that. It's like, wow, that's really interesting. It's like, it's obviously not the half, the, the medicine still being in the body doing something like, you know, for like a Prozac or something where you keep need to take it and it's, it's in your body always doing something. Because the half-life of ayahuasca is not that long, obviously. So it's not that still doing that. So there's something else going on with that. Do you think that maybe it's, uh, this is my personal take just from my own experiences, that it's just um, gives you the opportunity for just a little bit of a jump start of, of building a couple new um, good habits. Uh, you go down, you set this intention, um, you quit smoking or whatever, then you quit smoking. You, maybe you start exercising a little bit. Maybe you start watching your diet a little bit more and then it kind of just snowballs. I, I feel like I've had experiences that have done that for yeah. me. Yeah. I, I think you're right on with that. I think that's, I think there's a couple different things, but I think that's one of the bigger ones. <clears throat> and I was thinking it'd be interesting to follow up with these people to see like, what changes did you make and, and to see in 
was it due to these changes? Did they exercise more? Did they stop drinking alcohol? Did they stop eating junk food? Which is very common with people taking ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. They, they get more health conscious. They're able to see, you know, sometimes uh, Mother Ayahuasca will show you. It's like, you keep going down this path. This is what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it might get scared straight a little bit. But yeah, you know, there's also probably some uh, biochemical changes that you know are, are done, or maybe even structural changes. Uh, maybe not for just you know these three ceremonies, but people. There have been studies with um, people, long-term users, and there, there are you know changes in brain you know activity and um, structures. So, but for this particular study, yeah, we, you don't have that. You know, most of these people, or I'd say at least half were were newbies to ayahuasca. Hmm. So. You know, and I think it was a lot of lifestyle changes, but also just um, epiphanies, you know, just mm-hmm. awakening up like, oh, my God, I, 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 you know, need to change this in my life. You know, whatever it is, this relationship, this job, this um, bad situation or something. Or they realize, you know, God, I, you know, why am I doing this job? Just be, I make a lot of money, but I'm, I'm miserable at it. Mm-hmm. And I really want to be you know, a musician or this or the other. And then. They might go into that, you know, it's very common. I mean, I think it can be a little bit of fresh start for people in a way too, and and mark this time when you can kind of let go of some of those past behaviors. I, I mean, just to speak in a very grounded, practical, um, scientific way, Dan Ariely, are you familiar? Uh, behavioral economics guy and, and stuff and uh psychologist and he's he was one of the he, he's written all these great books like um the honest truth about dishonesty and all these other um fantastic uh books that i can't remember the name of he was a guest one time um very popular he's 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 getting to like the malcolm gladwell level but he's uh, in terms of book popularity but he's still an actual researcher but anyway he's he's done stuff with um you know, uh, people having, uh, giving people an outlet for their guilt, like the, the, the church confessional kind of, mm-hmm. you can test this where, where if, if people keep on, you, you know, you kind of prime people to cheat in these ways and you get them to cheat enough for a long enough time. And, and, um, and people start thinking of themselves as a bad person and then they start letting their behavior go kind of like if uh you know i'm drinking and uh having a night out or whatever and i'm like well i'm drinking might as well have a few cigarettes too might as well oh now i'm smoking and i'm drinking might as well do some cocaine too well you know (laughs) and you 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 just kind of start um start thinking of yourself as as you start like giving up on yourself or just letting everything go and uh and you give people a, a chance to like come clean or confess or wash their hands or whatever this particular study might be and uh and it does give people a little bit of a fresh start and let go of some of those old hang-ups and those i'm someone that deals with rumination quite a bit and it seems like i've been able to um mostly through psilocybin uh close some of those mm. loops that just kept on pestering at me over and over again over needless like middle school you know embarrassing fight with a friend or something like that that happened you know 25 mm. years ago that doesn't matter at all right um so I, I mean part of me wonders if if it's if there's some sort of like a milestone effect or something like that I, I i'm sure there is yeah and as you're talking about it, i think yeah another thing that happened the purging you know I, I think a lot of people 
you know, it's been said you purge out your traumas or, you know, who knows how much of that's true, but I, I think there is some truth to it. I, <laughs> you know? I was very skeptical of that. Well, and I had one of those experiences. Okay, yeah. I, the last time I did ayahuasca, which we should probably talk about, or it's going to drive the listener crazy because I ended up having some mental health issues sometime afterwards. Um, but, um, but it was uh, the last time I did ayahuasca. And this is after doing DMT many, many times in my, in my life. Uh, and kind of thinking ayahuasca was like a, a pretty, uh, um, uh, a, a, a much less intense, uh, experience than DMT <laughs> and, and not, and not really, uh, yeah. taking it. Um, ter- anyway, it was, it was this beautiful, gorgeous experience. It was a, a, the best trip I've ever had in my entire life. But in a moment of it, I had just quit smoking and, and drinking, um, a few weeks before that. And that was part of, you know, that was kind of part of the intentions. It wasn't the main intention, but it was part of it. And I saw, um, at one point I was, um, I, I'll, I'll just say what I, what I saw at a report as I'm, it doesn't necessarily mean that I believe it or whatever. I question my perceptions, but I saw that there was this kind of creator or entity or simulator or something that that was um that was kind of monitoring all of this and it was building and learning along with us and experiencing many of the same things and i saw um when it kind of went through um this uh thing where it made me analyze my own addiction um and and it's uh, and, and addiction like worldwide and, and like this like simulator that was like, it was almost like they were, this creator was like building all these universe and like addicted to building these universes and then had built too many and now is having like trouble maintaining them and now realizes that as it's like grown and learned from them that it has these responsibilities and that there's suffering and all these things. And, um, and all at the same time, I just felt like this purge of like, it's suffering, my suffering, all of like, I had this image of all of these like, homeless addicts on the street that were that were just in the last little throes of, of addiction and really at their wits end. And, and I, I purged all of that at the same time. It was, it was like the most... Um, uh, like kind of painful and dark and horrific uh, thing, like on the surface that I could have experienced, but it was somehow just the most beautiful. I don't know. It, it, it's so hard to put into words, but it was almost like, it was almost like so comically painful. <laughs> like nothing could possibly be worse than this, this feeling that I was having, that there was a certain sort of beauty in it. And like this understanding of, of how this is part of this inevitable process and the outcome of, of all of these other great things that happen in life. And, and this is just the inevitable byproduct of, of, uh, you know, the, the reward system in the brain, the way that the societies evolve and, and, uh, and so is, is, and, and then all these different layers of all these bigger ideas with multiverses and whatnot as well. But, um, but that, that purge was like, I remember, 
I remember the medicine woman, <laughs> like I was in horrible, horrible, like pain and throwing up and everything. And the medicine woman like came over to check on me and she's like, are you doing okay? And I was like, this is the best I've ever <laughs> felt in my entire life. Yeah. Might be that I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment as well. Who knows? But, but anyway, I was a big skeptic of like, oh, what do you mean? You're throwing up like makes you like appreciate the, or whatever the purge is. I never got that but then i had that experience and i was i was sold yeah it just feels so much lighter after that and i just you hear from you know many other people the same similar stories just like god just get out not just first of all just bodily toxins i think it feels like you get out crap that you've been storing in your cells but then the emotional stuff the spiritual stuff and just it's pretty amazing Mm. pretty amazing and which is kind of interesting um don't want to get too much off track here, but with them um, <laughs> again, this, okay, this show I'll just stop saying that. gets all sorts of off track. So please don't worry. I, I'm glad you're the one worried about that. Usually I'm the one that's like trying to get things back on track. So let's, instead of staying on one high, let's create a nice spider web of, yeah, we'll, of we'll make our way back we where we're supposed to go. Around. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. We'll get where we need to go. But, um, so, I mean, Jordi Riba in Spain has done some fascinating stuff with, uh, he figured they, his team figured out a way of freeze drying ayahuasca and encapsulating it. So you can test it, you know how strong it is. Um, you can control the dose and, you know, all sorts of good sciencey stuff, right? But, uh, for the research, it was in a very stale environment where they strip it of all its trappings. Like there's no Icaros, there's no shaman, there's, um, and interestingly enough, even There's though it's just a taser in your ass. No, no taser. <laughs> Unless you sign the consent form for that, you know, if you want that. Um, but, uh, another thing they found also, which is interesting and not, I, I'm not sure how to explain it. And I, I'm not sure many people, anyone knows how, but there's no, no vomiting, no purging. Hmm. Cause you're just taking out the water. So you think, you know, you still purge with that, but, um, which I think is fascinating. I think, it, you know, my nerdy science part was saying it'd be fascinating to do a study where you compare that mode versus like someone in the jungles of Peru yeah, and see, you know, does it make a difference, you know, if with the depression and all that sort of stuff, you know, I, I, I hope it does. I kind of think it does, but. I'd be kind of sad if you figured out, oh, we just need to put in a pill. You know, you know, We're throwing up yeah. unnecessarily. Who yeah. knew? You don't need a shaman. You don't need all this sort of stuff. And, you know, and I, I, yeah. I, my gut feeling is that's, that's not true, that, that those elements are ex- extremely powerful. There um, was, uh, I, I had done ayahuasca two times before that. And the reason why I've done ayahuasca so few times was just because, um, my first two times that I did it were so mild. They were so disappointing. And I was like, I guess I must've just like burnt out like my, my, um, uh, my, you know, I must, I must've just raised the bar for my experience too much through doing DMT and mushrooms too many times. You couldn't have multiple cups. You only, it was, I kept on asking the guy the first time for more, and uh and he kept on giving me like the tiniest little cup and i was oh. like i don't know man i think you gotta give me more i'm not <laughs> like it felt like a really lovely mushroom trip with um more confidence like less uncertainty it was it was great i liked it but i was just like 
it didn't it didn't seem worth all of the all of the hubbub and the expense and the echoes and the and the listening to 20 different people puking and stuff in a room it didn't seem worth that to me until my third experience and then all of the Icaros like was creating all of these we i'm someone who doesn't normally talk about synchronicities but it was creating the like that i would have this um this vision of uh of a thing watching over me and i would like just feel like i needed to open my eyes right then and right then when i opened my eyes it was like the person the um medicine woman was walking by like with a with a candle and her shadow was going just passing right over me at that time and it was just like every the timing of all of it was just absolutely perfect like there was no other way it could have gone <laughs> and uh and so so yeah it uh it it made um somewhat of a believer out of me i'm still it's it's been like a year now and i'm kind of back to my cynical skeptical self as as does always happen to me after it, it you you give me dmt and i'll come out of it raving about all the different dimensions i had just visited but give me a couple of weeks to think about it and think of some neuro neuroscience like justifications for it and i'll i'll spin some fancy tale about what my brain was actually doing and how i misperceived the experience <laughs> and all of that um but yeah that uh it it is those experiences are very powerful yeah and, yeah yeah another thing i was thinking about in terms of the the curative aspects is <clears throat> have you ever had um heard a voice like the voice of ayahuasca or, or any like teaching yeah, yeah presence yeah absolutely i usually argue with it oh, yeah. i don't think that it's real <laughs> but it's like but then it's like pretty convincing yeah um, and sometimes you know you, when I first heard the voice of the first time I did it, it, um, it, the first thing it said, I heard this, you know, I didn't think it was weird. I think it was the voice said, you know, you're going to purge. And I remember you know, arguing back up. No, I'm not, not going to purge. I don't feel nauseous. You go, you're going to purge. Sure enough, like two seconds later, torrents of, of uh, purging, you know? And at that moment I thought this voice knows what it's talking about. Maybe I should listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it was that's why they call it a teacher plant you know uh-huh. it's like it 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 it's very wise there's a, there's a wisdom to plants that we don't fully understand that but it's there and it's amazing i know i'm, I'm sick of arguing with the thing at this point i'm, <laughs> I'm like well now it's not why it's not argue? getting me anywhere to yeah, argue and it's wh- not now now i'm not even like i'm not even being a good skeptic because i'm not being skeptical of my own skepticism and my own and <laughs> uh, my own worldviews and uh by by just resisting yeah these these messages that when i'm having the experiences seem just as real and clear as anything else that i've ever ex- is as real as this table that i'm looking at is right now you know yeah. yeah and and i just remember arguing with it or like trying to rationalize or like hide or something like that and after a while i was like mm-hmm. i can't hide from this thing you know right. and, and why would i want to because it seems benevolent it seems like it wants to help right. you know she wants to help and so I stopped doing that and it just went a lot easier. Yeah. And just in the, the lessons I got from that was just phenomenal. Yeah. Me too. It's just, you know, it, it feels like, you know, if you can use the word soul, it feels like the soul is back in remedial school, you know, saying, you know, learning the way things are and the way things, you know, you, you have choices. You, you want to go down that path. That's what's going to happen. You want to go down this path. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, 
people call ayahuasca a loving grandmother presence for no, for a good reason, you know, cause yeah. I think she can be stern. She can spank you and, and sometimes you deserve it. Sometimes that gets your attention. And, uh, but for the most part, she's wants what's good for you. Yeah. Sometimes it feels a lot more like remembering than it does learning to me. And that was, that's what sometimes creeps me out. Yeah. Well, Richard Bach said, I'll learning is just remembering what you already know kind Mm -hmm. of thing. (laughs) So Hmm. I can't believe that. Um, so I, I, I need to bring it up just because it comes up in my, in my documentary and, and, uh, and now my, my listeners have heard a little bit of what I went through last year, but do you, uh, do you, are there any studies out there with, uh, any, uh, triggering mental health issues or, or unmasking any like, um, things that people were like predisposed for or anything like that from, I don't know about studies, but that's, that's always, that's the conventional wisdom is always, you know, if, if you have schizophrenia, if you have any um, thought disorders, or if you even have like a relative, close relative that has that, you know, puts, might put you in a, um, a danger zone for developing a, you know, a psychosis, then it's strongly urged that you don't do it. You know, that being said, I've heard of other people doing this kind of work with schizophrenics. I, I wouldn't recommend it unless, you know, because I, mm-hmm. it sounds scary to me, but, right. but I've heard of people, you know, and you look traditionally, um, you know, shaman in the shamans in, um, Siberia, you know, just some of these people would have experiences, um, without medicine, even then where, where they, it looks a lot like schizophrenia or looks like a, an ordeal this way, but th- they have a container for that. The, yeah. the, the society looks like, Oh, you know, this might be a shaman. This might be, you know, and so they, there is a way. Schizotypoid. They, they call that. Yeah. 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 So, and you know, in, in our society, we would, you know, put them in, you know, lock them up, put them in right. your Thorazine, squelch all the symptoms. Right. Which, uh, you know, in some circumstances is what you need to do to keep them from harming themselves or others. Um, but at the same time, that's what happened to me. And I didn't think that I was a harm to myself or others. And I was pretty disappointed, but it was also, I was, I was, giving people a scare for okay. sure. Yeah. I was getting pretty weird. Um, but I, I wish things would have gone differently. I'm sure a lot of people, I'm sure my family that was really confused and didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on. And my girlfriend wish it would, would have gone a different way as well. Yeah. But. Well, it's, it probably induced fear in them and they didn't know what to do. And that you know, just, you, know, you trust the medical establishment to know what to do. Um, right. Unfortunately, the medical establishment has a certain framework which they view everything and and uh, i was put in a place with a bunch of like meth addicts and stuff like that like i'm I'm like well i'm I'm like still just coming down from a trip i'm still just like integrating it was just like i was tripping for weeks uh afterwards and um i mean i kind of felt i knew i was integrating and going to come out of it and i knew i was off and everything but i mean i was i was acting very, I was very paranoid. I couldn't sleep uh, for weeks, and uh, and things. I definitely like went off of the deep end, but uh, um, I don't think I was harmed to myself or others. But uh, but yeah. So anyway, I, I I need to ask just because it was. So then I was I was diagnosed with going uh, going into which I always kind of thought I was bipolar anyway. Um, but then I got. I'm a little suspicious about some of those labels and, but I got diagnosed as being bipolar one, which 
Like, oh, if it's just triggered from psychedelics, does that mean that I'm... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But what happened was, uh, basically, I had these wonderful experience. I was doing lots and lots of psychedelics to capture... We had a low-budget documentary with a short time period to make it in. And so I was doing far more psychedelics than any reasonable person ever should and not integrating and all the things that I'd normally be doing and things were just going fantastic. Like it was making me feel like very creative and on top of things and taking better care of myself and quitting drinking and everything was going great. And then it, uh, I started getting, you know, uh, things started coming from that world, from the ayahuasca world into this world. And it started making odd predictions that were seemingly coming true. And, uh, and things just got a little too real for me. And, uh, and I ended up becoming, uh, um, the first week of it was really pretty amazing. I was having very creative ideas and, uh, I didn't need sleep and felt like a million dollars. And after you don't sleep for a week or so, the brain starts kind of deteriorating and coming up with odd ideas. And, and I started getting paranoid and very fearful. And I thought I was like, I thought I'd maybe figured out how time travel works and that there's maybe time travelers coming after me to like get their hands on the thing that I was discovering. And it was that, so things got pretty bizarre after a while. So, uh, I definitely needed, some sort of help i think that i could have uh you know gone and hung out with some friends in the psychedelic community that could have put me at ease a little bit and uh and i could have taken some time and integrated but uh that's not what happened or even a health professional who's well versed in psychedelics and spiritual spiritual emergency and that type of thing you know it would have been helpful as well yeah so um so yeah i i have to ask just because we we've been uh, we, people, I've been public about it mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I do, I also, I really value the experience. I don't have any regrets, but well, I, I regret like scaring my family and girlfriend right. and friends close to me, right. but it wasn't for me. It was, uh, it was scary, but it was absolutely fascinating. I kind of knew I was, I, I definitely have a lot more sympathy for people that are schizophrenic and have, uh, these, these sorts of disorders in my I felt like I was kind of tapping into those states and kind of understood how they were seeing things. And, um, and I thought I learned a lot from it. I thought it was really, really, um, fascinating and I'm now a better person for it. Or maybe that's just a story that I'm telling myself, but I'm definitely, uh, I, I, I will, uh, of all the things that I would take back in my life, it's not one of the, it doesn't, come anywhere near making the list of things that I, uh, would relive and, and take back. Um, but it's also good to add a little balance to the conversation and and let people know that things can happen. Yeah. And that, that, that's an extremely important point. And that's, um, I mean, there are risks to these things and especially it sounds like you were not allowing time for integration, which is important. And, um, and Des McKenna says it all the time. It's like you got to lay off it. You know, can't you can't take it all the time because if you don't take that time to integrate, then uh, things can pile up. And, and, and I'm also just like a very adventurous person. I kind of was like asking for it. I definitely wanted to like explore the fringes of of reality and yeah. kind of so you got, got what, what you I wanted. got yeah. what I wanted. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Uh, been there, done that now. Careful what you wish for. Um, So, yeah. But that's an interesting point about, um, I mean, the way things are handled, because, you know, that's why I love seeing, like, the Zendo project at um, stuff like that. So, instead of using a medical model approach where you just immediately try to sedate someone or, or, you know, they can just create a safe space so the person can just go through it and not have to squelch that. Because sometimes... And even like in Siberia and with, with the, these shaman, they'll allow them to, to go through that process. You yeah. know, they'll try to stop it because they see that's a natural, something's happening. That's a natural progression. They'll get to the other side and, um, you know, they'll become a shaman. They'll be able to harness this, this energy that, uh, you know, right. other people can't harness. And so it's that. I mean, I, w- I would call some of my like psychedelic, um, friends or whatever. I, and, and, uh, and people in the community and some researchers that I met and stuff. And, you know, they'd be like, okay, you're inventing time travel. All right. Tell us about it. You know, and they would, they would, yeah. they would just, and that's like really all that I needed. But, uh, but I was like taught, you know, it was with my girlfriend. It was just like, just like all day long, just couldn't shut up about it. It was exhausting for her and terrifying and everything else. And, uh, and then for my family it's like all of a sudden, you know, their son's like talking about, uh, getting messages from different dimensions and stuff like that. And they didn't, you know, have any frame of reference or have any idea of how to handle it either. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think part of, part of the problem, uh, is just the lack of information in the society that we live in. And, uh, and I mean, it, it's to me the whole time I was like, well, nothing I'm saying is any weirder than any belief that I was, forced into listening about at church you know growing up but that's normal behavior to go and and hear hear about those stories that uh that yeah. are equally rational yes um, <laughs> so uh so yeah anyway i i hope i didn't mean to like hijack the conversation no, yeah, that's i'm glad you about it's an important point and um and that's one thing that is glossed over a lot and uh, is the, the possible harms and, and uh, the dangers of it. Um, Cause these are extremely powerful medicines and, and powerful medicines can be harmful if, if um, you know, used the wrong way or in the wrong circumstances or, you know, uh, or have a propensity to, to go into psychosis, stuff like that. So it's, it, there should be warnings. I mean, that they shouldn't uh, just be cheerleading. And that, I think that's what the whole reason with the the sixties things got shut down is because, like, you know, people everyone should take these and blah blah blah. So, you know, just not really be mindful of the risks and you know the risks and uh, the dangers and all the bad things that happened were way overblown. Um, but at the same time, they're there. They're mm-hmm. they're real, and uh, so that they shouldn't be glossed over. In fact, with the, going back to the research that we did. Um, we noticed that there were a couple, a uh, few people that had uh, what looked like negative experiences or bad, bad trips. We'd say uh, at the uh, after the the last ceremony, so at the post test, and they were saying something like, like, like this is the worst thing that happened, or like this is, you know, I, I don't know what's happening. You know, they're just in turmoil. You can see they're in turmoil, and. Um, not feeling good. They're feeling, you, you look at their, uh, SEL 90 scores. They're like their depression. Everything, everything's like skyrocketing or cattywampus some way. 
And um, so, you know, and if we would have stopped there, we would have concluded, oh, so it's, it's you know, a harm to certain people, you know, in, in a thing. But since we followed them, we were able to see their trajectory after that. And the good news is that every, all of the people who had a negative experience and had like a, a spike in their psychiatric symptoms went back to baseline or, or even better, got even gains from it. Showing that as a temporary thing. And, uh, you know, as you well know, some people say that the, the, the quote unquote bad trips are the best, oh, most yeah. powerful, best thing that happened to them. Yeah. There's the, truth to that. The story that I shared is not the best example of that, but I've had so many like, uh, very, very, very difficult mushroom trips that are the ones that I look back on the most fondly uh even right afterwards a lot of times even before the trip is over uh, a lot of times it's just like an hour of some very very dark um a lot of times it's like metaphors like visual metaphors and it takes me a while to figure out what what is this like a metaphor for in my life and then i figure it out i'm like oh that's what that's about that's how i judge myself or you know whatever thing i might come away with um, but that's definitely the importance of doing these in, in a kind of a professional, uh, setting too. And, and not, not maybe just like finding out how to get ayahuasca on the dark web and, and give an old ayahuasca shot for your first time. And you've never done a psychedelic before. And you're like, I'll just hang out in my bathroom and try this yeah. ayahuasca stuff out. And I've heard of people doing that. That, that just boggles me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you, it makes me think they haven't done research on it or maybe just saw, seen all the positive YouTubes out there saying how, you know, right. great, great it is. And because I've seen some scary shit, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it, the, the last thing I'd, I'd want is to be alone when that happened. Yeah. You know? And that's why I thank God there was a shaman there. So, you know, the, the, the community mm-hmm. container because, uh, otherwise you get in a lot of sorts of trouble. Then. Well, um, uh, that's, uh, th- this has been fantastic conversation yeah. and, you- and you're welcome to, if there's, uh, if there's anything that you want to make sure to mention, um, in closing, um, you, you can mention whatever you like, but I do want to make sure that, uh, one, um, everything people need to know in terms of, uh, of, uh, um, how, how they can get tickets for this festival, or a conference, sorry, not festival, on June 22nd to June 23rd. And then for people that are in the Los Angeles area, especially if um, if there is information on how they can possibly penetrate your your secret world of, <laughs> of I, I was at your meetings and they didn't you know there there's nothing there's certainly not any like weird sexual r- rituals happening going no secret handshakes <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, it, was, it seemed pretty tame <laughs> yeah. to me but maybe that's my standards yeah it's very tame and, it, and again the, the fact that it's you know quote unquote secret is just kind of a weird um it's just Facebook for, type for the thing. protection of, of yeah. other people that that aren't comfortable kind of outing themselves. Right. So you just you want to make sure people and and it's a pretty safe environment to bring stuff like, like that up. No one's ever been attacked or, you know, anything like that uh, for their views or anything like that. And I also have my guests each week plug uh, plug a nonprofit or, uh, you know, charity of their choice as well. So uh, so please okay. um, make sure and, and let people know where they can go to, to help out your organization and, right. and anything else you want to say. Yeah, well, the main thing is to go to go to laps.org. That's L-A-P-S-S for Los Angeles Psychedelic Science Symposium.org. 
And you can see the ticket button there. You can see the lineup, stellar, stellar lineup. We didn't talk about everything that's going on there, but just I'm really pleased with the lineup we have because I think it's it's going to be a phenomenal conference. It's a panoply, panoply of, of great things. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, uh, we do have some a uh, silent auction that's really exciting. Um, we've got a lot of people, including Micro Meditations, ponying up a, a retreat for auction, silent auction. So, really? Yeah, yeah. So oh, we, we have like a Iboga retreat, uh, all these great things up there. So um, definitely check that out because it's, it's not just for people going to the conference. It's going to be open to the public and it's online. You don't have to be there. And um, this is one way to help pay for the conference. And uh, one thing I didn't mention also about the conference is um, all leftover proceeds are going to be used for uh, plant medicine research uh, for Alzheimer's. And um, so really excited about that. Um what else? Um, what, what's uh, what's the plan with that, with Alzheimer's? Well, as, as you know, there's no real great treatment for Alzheimer's. Right. Um, and, uh, there, but there's a lot of different um, indications that uh, you've probably seen things about cannabis right now. People are showing that you know, cannabis, um, the THC might help uh, rid your brain of amyloid plaques. And, and I, I believe that's the, the mechanism. And s- which seems kind of counterintuitive. You think, well, you know, smoking pot makes your memory worse or whatever. And that's their, their problem. But, but, uh, it seems to have the, you know, it, again, we need, uh, clinical trials for this to, to really see what's going on. Um, but, uh, at least some of the theoretical underpinnings and, uh, some of the preliminary data looks like it's definitely worth looking into, you know, cause again, we have no good treatments for it. Similar with uh, Ibogaine or Iboga. Um, uh, I don't know if you know or not, but uh, they're using microdoses of uh, or small doses of uh, iboga for Parkinson's disease and mm. getting some pretty good results. <clears throat> not that that's the same as uh, Alzheimer's, but it's it's a neurodegenerative disease, and and so it's worth looking into, right? right. What's the harm in looking into it? You know, especially for microdosing, mm-hmm. um, and also ayahuasca. Uh, there's indications. That, that that might be a, a promising treatment. If, again, we have no idea. It hasn't been tested in humans. Um, so, but it's wide open. And, and it, it, right now, I mean, Alzheimer's is one of the biggest problems we're facing. And with the grading of the baby boomers, it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. And with with the, the treatments we have with it, which are just, you know, very mild treatments. It's uh, not that, a lot that, to lose at this point. Yeah, not a lot to lose. And, and uh, you know, and these compounds, you know, in, done the right way are very safe to administer. You know, you might get, even figure out time travel. That's, that's my next thing. <laughs> I, 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 time is weird. You know, I, I don't want to get into that tangent, but it's, yeah, uh, there's a it lot more to it than is. we, uh, than we think. <laughs> yes. And, um, yes, there and, and is. if you talk to me about time after you, you try five MEO, by the way, we'll, yeah. we'll see you uh, with your okay. conception of it changes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, sorry, I interrupted. Did you, did you have a? Um, was that? Yeah, char- charity. I'm not sure. Of, we, we need donations for laps. Yeah, I mean, we're. Right. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't mind saying this, but we're right now. We're it's it's extremely tight financially because um, we're, we're using a ticketing agency where we weren't we're not going to see a dime of that till like. A, a couple months after the conference. Um, so, and there's a lot of upfront costs that we're really struggling to make. And uh, we're, we're, you know, we're not 
this is our first time out of the, out of the box. So we're just kind of inventing a lot of this as we go. And we're not maps. We, we don't have an established infrastructure for this. So if anyone wants to help out with that, that'd be extremely valuable. And if, if you want to get something for that, we are selling t-shirts, uh, which I'm giving you one here. Um, very nice t-shirts with the design of the logo on there. Um, so yeah. So if you want to help out, that'd be awesome. Um, we, uh, do have volunteer opportunities. I don't want to harp that too much because we already have a huge pool. But um, if you do want to get considered for that, um, go on the website now and indicate your interest through the um, the portal. Um, there's not there's no guarantee that you you are going to get picked um, because we are going to have a screening process because we do have such a huge pool. We want to get the best of the best. Um, so just want to put that out there. And if you do volunteer uh, at least four hours minimum, then you'll get in for $20 for that day. Um, yeah, so just uh, one more thing about the auction. I mean, we have tons of great items uh, for auction. If um, there's anyone out there who might want to donate something for auction, that, that'd that be wonderful. That's another way to help out financially. We have people donating everything from signed books to art to these wonderful retreats, Iboga retreats and so forth. Um and it's uh, it's going to open on the. We're just getting all, all of the information together here. Yeah, and close on um, that Saturday after that. The whole, there's a whole week. It's going to be open, and again, you don't have to be part of the the conference for that. You can you can be you know bid outside of the conference. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So again, the some of the things I want to highlight about the uh, this conference um again we have these this auction and again you don't have to be present to to bid on these items uh and we have some wonderful things up there um and it's going to go online on the 17th and run for a whole week so this it's worldwide you you don't have you can be anywhere not have to go to the conference and bid on these so and great great stuff um and if you want to pony up something for the auction, then we'll give you recognition on our website. We'll try to, you know, help you out as well in terms of getting new business, um, put your logo up as well. Um, we're, you know, cause we're trying to build community here and trying to you know, help each other out. And so, uh, it's a great opportunity. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun too. We got some, a lot of fun. You know, we have a flotation center, um, you know, float so you can float in a flotation tank. Um, you know, I, I can't remember everything off the top of my head, but there's just tons of great things. So the, the more, um, just, so keep an eye out, go to, go to the website and keep an eye out on the website, um, to see when that's posted because um, for the listener, we have a helper here writing all sorts of notes to, in, yeah, case, yeah. in, in, in case you're wondering why, someone, why, why the speech is a little broken right now. It's because we're, we're making sure that we hit everything because this is a, a very important event. Los Angeles, how, how in the world is Los Angeles, uh, uh just now having its first thing of this kind. So right. we're just making sure all of you guys have all the information that right. you need. Right. Um, yeah, and I want to highlight again the, the three retreats we have. We have, you know, the, the Ibogaine retreats, um, um, micro meditations, and, you know, it's just worth a lot of money and a great opportunity to, you know, if you've if you ever been interested in trying any of these things to, to get involved with that. Um, and also, again, I mentioned briefly, but I mentioned again, um, the, the nighttime entertainment. So the, the talks end at six o'clock and, uh, for, the, but for Friday evening, we're having, the documentary film night where we're 
showing um, uh, 20 minutes of, of your documentary coming out. And mm-hmm. we're going to have five minute, uh, probably introduction and then question and answer. So we have five documentaries. It's just real top notch. You know, we've had a, a, a big pool of those. So we picked the ones we thought were, would be of, you know, most interesting and as well as, you know, the most informative for people. So, um, and that's donation based. So, you know, whatever you can give, uh, to, to, to get in there, it's great opportunity to see some great films and And also, oh, go ahead. And for, for those of you that are already going to my film, actually, we kind of talked about it today and I think I'm going to be showing, uh, about 11 minutes of the film at the conference and using the rest of the time to, um, to take a Q and A and, and tell some jokes and whatnot because I'm a little bit of a stage hog too. So, so you can, you can see more, uh, more of me on that. I'm just love sneaking in a plug for myself anywhere I can. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. Okay. And uh, Saturday night is going to be the after party. So we have uh, musical entertainment. It's going to be, uh, we have so far we have Fractal Love Jam, which is uh, Martin Ball's uh, band. And uh, we're looking to get stand up comedy there. So we're hoping that, that Shane will, will, uh, absolutely happy to. Yeah. And uh, we're also looking for maybe one or two others. Um, so Joe Rogan, if you're out there, you can hear this. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Duncan Duck, Trussell, um, anyone else who wants to, you know, ping me and uh, we'll see if we can fit you in awesome and uh and you guys also that uh that are coming to again my documentary is june 15th at the dances with films at uh, the tcl chinese theater in hollywood uh, uh coming to check that out at five o'clock on the 15th uh you can also see some representative uh, uh, i think there will be a representative from lap i'm planning on being there so you can meet Brad uh, beforehand and uh, and ask him any questions. If you're like, I'm on the fence with this thing, and I just have one important question to yeah. to, to make this big decision on whether I'm going to this conference or not. Uh, Brad will be there uh, hanging out after my uh, documentary as well. And uh, so, yeah. Well, thanks, Brad, for well, joining thank you. me. Thanks for having me. That's great. And uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, for being such... what This is the, the longest... I believe this is the longest uh, Here We Are podcast in the history of the podcast. Oh, I'm honored, uh, what can I say? <laughs> I, I thought it uh, went quite well. So I hope you listeners enjoyed it. I'm sure that you did. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being such wonderful, curious people. We'll talk with you not next week. We're going to have a bonus episode um, coming out this week. Uh, as well Uh, that's the plan anyway so talk to you soon keep an eye out for that and uh, yeah (laughs) that's i gotta get better at ending these things so uh thank you I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. We got another psychedelic research episode coming out on the Here We Are podcast this week. Special week to Here We Are podcast. And uh, I know you guys always, uh, we always get a lot more downloads on the psychedelic research episodes. And uh, and I, I don't do them all that often um, for, for a number of uh, reasons, but it's always a special treat when we get to get that info out there so just as soon as uh, the next one gets recorded and and jimmy fro the indie music podcast uh gets it edited and then sent over to ramin nazer with his 
new Rainbow Brain Skull Hour podcast. Uh, he'll, he'll publish it on, on the website and um, everything. Uh, uh, we're all working together and helping each other out. Uh, I, I'll be on the Rainbow Brain Skull Hour podcast. Ramin Nazer's new podcast. Ramin is uh, just this incredibly creative, uh, interesting, talented dude and a very good friend of mine uh just an amazing artist just makes all sorts of from animation to um uh, to comic books he made the coloring books that i sold after my psychedelic shows and he has this new podcast talking about creativity motivation and death um ramin uh, uh and i talk about um fascinating stuff all the time death being one of them ramin loves talking about death he has this uh this one of his um most popular his most popular comic book is uh uh what happens after you die and uh and so this will be such a fun conversation i haven't had it yet but i already know it's going to be a terrific conversation and uh so yeah quick little a quick little stroll through um plug city there for my friends and well well we're doing that i would be remiss if i didn't also plug the bands archerus and crash c-h-r-a-s-h and archerus a-r-c-h-e-r-e-s-s who uh jimmy fro connected me with who ended up doing music for the documentary that was just absolutely perfect so check those guys out and speaking of supporting people i did forget to mention that the sci-fi festival in june also uh is is going to be benefiting the maps organization which we all know and love and the aware project which we mentioned in uh in today's episode as well so it's just um everyone it's just mutually beneficial the the psychedelic community is just especially just cooperative and caring and and trying to help one another out and generous and uh, and one thing that we forgot to mention on the on this episode about laps again l a p s s dot org is that one this is affordable anyway it's eighty dollars a day there's only two days and this is this a, a huge event with all these amazing presenters coming in from all over the world and other. Uh, cool events as well but if you are a student or a veteran you get a half price so that's just forty dollars for students or veterans that is a heck of a deal um and make sure and uh they're not really allowed to suggest any prices or whatever for the suggested donations for a lot of the kind of free events at night and things that they have going on and there's like a whole hubbub with the venue that they're doing it at they can't they got to be careful like how much they say or ask for and and whatnot but um but just make sure if you do go there to make sure and and give generously to their organization because they can uh use all the help that they can get all all psychedelic researchers and advocacy groups and everything can could really use all of our support both in our presence and our word of mouth and our financial support as well so don't uh, don't forget that it helps out the community and it helps all of us out in unexpected ways like this 
um, the the lamps, uh, the the people with lamps are now working on putting together uh, the first ever psychedelic conference in Asia uh, in in 2020. It'll be in Japan, and so this is. The reason why, even if you say aren't in LA, um, why it helps to uh, do what you can to spread the word and and tell people that you know about stuff like this is is it helps kind of nurture these uh, you know a seed in one area uh, ends up uh, growing up and reproducing and and spreading seeds all around. I'm forgetting how plants work all of a sudden, but it ends up being pollinated. And I don't know what is there a metaphor for a little psychedelic bees, but um, the various other organizations are popping up all over the place. Like I have, uh, I have a conference in Pittsburgh that I'm doing uh, this summer. I'm going to be doing a, a show at and helping. I believe moderate a panel and stuff. You can go to shanemoss.com to find out more there but these things are, are springing up everywhere and they they need your nourishment so uh so please consider uh, at least helping spread the word a little bit um awesome guys well those of you that listen all the way to the end you are of course my favorite <laughs>